folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. We were all uh, sitting around talking here, and we didn't realize it was time to do the show. <laughs> um, sitting across from me, Karen McClellan. Good morning. And our guest today is <laughs> Silent Gary LeMaster. The reason we call it Silent Gary was that he would do a lot of research for the show in the old day before he moved to Minnesota, and sometimes he'd participate live on show, and sometimes he just sit and and stare at our, our misbehavior. I, I prefer that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to discuss today something that's sort of disturbing, and um, and that is the question of whether there's going to be a kind of a new civil war in the United States, and uh, Gary's been doing a lot of research on it, so I'm going to hand this over to him. To, to talk about is a new what we see is there's more and more disagreement, more and more tension, and more and more yelling and sort of ex, a, extremism, and on the other side, fear. I mean, apparently among liberals and moderates and Democrats in general, one of the big concerns is whether. Our democracy will sur- survive a campaign that, that uh, against uh, the fact that we have elections. Yeah, we've we've bec- we've gotten to a point where, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of other people, including a lot of former Republicans, is we've gotten to a, a, a politics of hate, where we don't don't just disagree on policies. And matter of fact, we seldom even talk about policies. If you watch the commercials that are running for for uh, both parties, especially Republicans, it's it's all about you know the other you know other candidate is evil. You know they're they're not just wrong; they're evil. They're people that need to be put down. Um, you know, and and there are all these weird conspiracy theories because the Republican Party. Under Trump, embrace QAnon, and there are millions of people that have all these bizarre, deranged theories that uh, uh, you know are, are just have made Democrats and liberals and anyone who disagrees with them completely evil enemies. And but the reality is that nobody is grooming the, your kids to be gay or trans. There is no cabal of, of sex trafficking cannibals run by Democrats and A-list celebrities. There is no open border. There actually is as many deportations now as there was under Trump. Uh, what there is is a political party intent on creating fear and division in order to gain power. The, the thing that I think they don't consider is that there has never been a benign dictator to my knowledge. You know, and that power that that you give to a single individual or a small group of individuals will eventually turn back on you. And and so, you know, but that's what they want to do is is create 
it's it's all in the quest for power. They want to have enough power that they can force their will on on the on everybody else, on the opposition, on all Democrats, everybody else, so they can control a woman's body. They can they can uh, invade your privacy. They can keep you from traveling from one state to another to seek an abortion. They can prevent you from from uh, getting. Uh, any sort of prescription by mail. It, it's, it's gone to a point where the so-called party of freedom is actually anti-freedom in a big way. Yeah, it's, um, we've watched a huge shift for, for, for folks who are older in the Republican Party just sort of, they haven't completely repudiated their old values of small government, of, um, of, of limited government, They've just moved on, and their focus is is never on the the old Republican uh, party uh, issues that we would dis- that we always disagree with them about. We thought that there should be um, a strong welfare program because uh, of the unfairness of the society. In other words, you know, it wasn't just slavery and discrimination against black folks. It was an awful lot of uh, white folks and, and others were locked into a system that was profoundly unfair to them. And now we've seen the Republicans move out into other issues and, and, and stuff. Um, I was reading an article today uh, in uh, I think it was the New York Times or, and by um, Janet Rubin. And what, what, it, what it was was about morality and uh, politics, particularly Southern morality. And what it said was that the morality in the South was totally focused on the individual, whether you had sexual relations outside marriage or before marriage or, or whether you, you stole money. This It's all personal because it couldn't address the slavery and later discrimination. It had to be blinders. It had to have put blinders on so it would not see social issues. And that's what we see in the Republican Party today. And they're, they're, um, they're Christian. So, because I, you know, I put that in quotes. And they're Christian supporters. If the fact is that the GOP is no longer the party of Lincoln. It's not even the party of, of Bush or Reagan. It's now the it's more like the party of Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee. It's I mean, it, it's embraced the the racism that existed, especially in the South, but throughout the country. Uh, Trump made it uh, by his anti political correctness. And, you know, basically what he did was attack civility. But he also at the same time embraced white supremacy across the country. They made he made it OK for uh, those people to feel like they can come out and say anything they wanted about anyone. And, you know, it's no longer a conservative party. It, you, you might think that, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a, a Democrat by default. I'm, I'm not entirely uh, in, in uh, agreement with the Democratic Party, but there, there is no way I would ever vote for one of the Republican candidates I've seen in the last 20 years. But... Um, I do read uh, articles and, and media from from both sides, and I, there's a, 
an article I just read that uh, I think describes where we're at. This is in The Federalist, which is about as right-wing a publication as you can get. And the the editor, the political editor of The uh, Federalist, says in the article that the conservative project has failed, and conservatives need to forge a new political identity that reflects a revolutionary moment. And and that's what they are calling for as a revolution. You know, they've been anti-government since before Reagan, and Reagan really made it popular to dislike the government and distrust the government. Um, and he, you know, he, he funneled all the money upward to to the the wealthy and cut their taxes. Um, but um, that that anti-government libertarian you know ideal has been growing and took off in a big way under Trump. And now they they've they've finally realized that we don't want government at all. You know, we we just want to have a, a federal government that that. <clears throat> Excuse me. That will have a defense department to to protect us from outsiders, but we want to give all of the uh, the power to the states. And is I think my description of today's Republicans and and is that they walk around with a with a Bible in one hand and a, a copy of the Constitution in the other, and they've read neither. What their concepts really are for for the Constitution is more the um, the Articles of Confederation that preceded the Constitution. It's, yeah, most of their arguments are are Articles of Confederation. And um, folks, just to give a, a short history lesson, the um, Articles of Confederation didn't work, and that's why we ended up with a Constitution, uh, because the Articles of Confederation gave too much power to the states. I even argue that the, the Constitution did still didn't quite straighten it out. Like, it didn't straighten out a lot of things. It's a great document, but there's problems with slavery and so forth and so on. Um, and they never addressed, and, and the articles never addressed religion. So each colony that became a state had a you know a preferred religion that, that they often taxed people to support that particular church. You know, that was why the, the framers of the Constitution put in the, the statement about separation of, of church and state. And that's why Jefferson's letter about the wall of separation was not written to an atheist, it was written to the, a Baptist in a, in a state where there was a state-supported Christian denomination, which is not Baptist, and the Baptists did not want to pay taxes to support another Christian denomination. They were, so he wasn't even talking to atheists, he was talking to the idea of different, and, equally and, religious people. With, but belonging to different denominations. And, and, and they've somehow, uh, and this article in The Federalist kind of addresses it, somehow they've gotten to the point where they, they now revere the Puritans that, uh, that established you know, Massachusetts, Massachusetts Bay Colony. And uh, they were dictatorial as any, you know, any group that you could be. Yeah, they, they left... Uh, uh, England and then the Netherlands to to come to the U.S. They were headed to Jamestown, but they got off course, and so they they created their own colony. and And you know they had the the witch trials. If you if you looked the wrong way or said something mm-hmm. wrong, you could be you know uh, they didn't you know people think they were burned at the stake. They weren't. They were hung. But but uh, 
it's somehow now we've turned them into an ideal. We want that, you know, the Puritan style of, of government. Yeah, because they were looking for uh, not so many, you know, freedom from religion in the sense that everybody can do and, and think and believe what they want, but they wanted freedom to establish their own theocracy where yeah. their specific brand of religion would be the government, yeah. which is, you know, we're seeing now that's, yeah. There was a reason yeah. they were encouraged to leave yeah. leave England and, yeah. and then the Netherlands. So. Yeah. It, it, <clears throat> The process in the United States of, of having uh, freedom of religion for everybody and non-state supported religion was a long process with, with complications. And, you, and, and like George Washington and Ray were trying to work out how in Virginia they could support the Church of England, uh, which became the Episcopalian Church. And then what did you do with the other churches? We were talking about economically supported tax money going to churches. And they just couldn't figure it out. Right. It just didn't work. Um, uh, there's no way to – well, there will be a multiple <laughs> – in America, we've got, what, 15,000 Protestant uh, denominations. It's, you can't work it out. Yeah. It's, it's gotten to the point, too. I, I, if you really analyze you – know, I've spent a lot of time trying to analyze where the Republican Party is and where it's headed. And if you, you really look at the history going back into the 70s and before – you uh, you have a, a group of uh, very wealthy people that started to take over the party. They reached out because they were becoming a minority. You know, if if you look at the history of it, you go back to Eisenhower and Nixon. It was a party of growth and business, and and then you go to to uh, George W. Bush and and Vice President Cheney. It was a, a party reaching out, trying to expand democracy across the world, and, and most especially in the Middle East. Now, under under the mega brand, it's it's a you know a party that wants to undo uh, democracy. They want to make the the United States. They want to proclaim it a Christian nation, so that anybody who doesn't you know they talk about religious freedom, but. They're really talking about religious freedom for Christians only. And if you're not a non-believer or if you're a, a Jewish or if you have if you're Hindu, if you have any other uh, you know, religion, then you know, you're out of luck. Yeah, because recent things show that you know, 30, 30 plus percent of Americans either identify as being not Christian or not particularly religious in any sense. And but you know, look at that. But 60 percent of Americans believe in separation of church and state. They don't want to, you know, so, uh, you know, that's a large number of people who view themselves as religious people do not want. But, but then number they does, don't, they don't want a connection between the church and the so state. When you, but then number doesn't matter as long as you have power. Yeah. You know, if we're a minority and we have power, we can, yeah, and that's we can what override they such that's, numbers. Yeah. That's what the Republicans are in some of these right. ways. So, so when you try to establish a, a church, if that's what your position is, and that's against the American tradition for like 200 years, it sets up a real dichotomy, a real conflict, doesn't it, Gary? Yes. I mean, those are fighting things. You're gonna, there's going to be an official church. You're gonna, the rules are going to come from churches rather than from civil society. That begins the process that, that I know that you want to talk about, which is, you know, are we headed for a civil war because of this kind of stuff? I don't. I don't really think. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of reading. There's a there's a book out by someone I, I 
tremendously respect uh, Malcolm Nance, who's a counter uh, insurgency, counterterrorism expert, um, who's you know somewhat renowned in in the U.S. Served in the Navy as, uh, for for many years as an officer. He's got a, a book out now that's called the title is "They Want to Kill Americans." the malicious terrorist and deranged ideology of the Trump insurgency. And and he believes that the Trump insurgency has taken over the Republican Party. And he considers it a, a tremendous threat. And and he goes back to the uh, even before the, the January 6th insurrection, but but um, or sedition, as he prefers to call it. And. And we have people on trial for conspiracy for sedition from the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. But he goes into great detail over what they were were trying to accomplish and, and how they were going about it. And, you know, it's been reported, but I don't think it's been fully acknowledged by, by you know, certainly not by Republicans who called it, what was it, uh, uh, typical political discourse, I think, is the, the term they used for the for the uh, invasion of the Capitol and the attempt to actually kill uh, congressmen and congresswomen and and American to hang tourists. Mike Pence. Yeah, they were just <laughs> tourists that that were exercising their right to 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 look around their Capitol. But you know what what has been little reported is that they had a a uh, emergency strike force that. Um, had been positioned in in uh, uh, hotels across the Potomac uh, where they could bring guns into Virginia. They couldn't bring them into D.C., and even though a lot of them did anyway. Um, but uh, instead, most of them brought flagpoles with spear points and bear spray and things like that. You know, so they weren't really armed. They could they could kill you, but they weren't really armed. Um, but they had. Uh, you know, large stashes of, of uh, AR-15s and other weaponry, uh, grenades, um, other explosives in, in hotels across the Potomac with the intent of hoping that the uh, Washington police and, and uh, uh, the Capitol police would open fire and that would permit them to, to you know, uh, come in and, op- and open fire in return. And the real plan seemed to be that if there was uh, shooting, that uh, uh, Trump could declare martial law and bring in the military and declare the, the election null and void, uh, the election, and and force a second election in which they can better control the outcome of it. So, you know, Malcolm Nance and many others, uh, uh, Miles Taylor, who we had on the show, uh, who was uh, with the uh, Department of Homeland Security, Elizabeth Newman, who was with the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security, um, uh, Christopher Ray, who was the Trump-appointed uh, director of uh, the FBI. Um, I forget the, the name, of Michael Hayden, the former director of the CIA, all believe that, that there is a tremendous threat of violence 
but not so much in a civil war that most people think of like the 1800s. Well, that's kind of what I was asking, Gary. Is, was, is it would be a mass civil war of the Republicans against uh, Democrats or, or, or conservatives against liberals? It, is that not in the in the in the mix this what you're talking about is something a little bit different the Much far different. right like a stream of far right rather than the whole republican party would engage in this kind of violence which gosh would be a mess it would yeah. be a mess folks it would be a well, thousand trials and you know and I, I assume that our our military and police would would defeat uh, any kind of coup. It's organized much, much more differently than uh, than most people, I think, expect. It's there are cells. You have groups like the Proud Boys. You have the Oath Keepers. They're, you know, organized in chapters. The largest being in Prescott. Um, you have uh, the Three Percenters who who uh, are armed and and don't believe in government. You have sovereign citizens. You have. You have uh, the Wolverines militia. You have militias around the country. You have people like the militias in Michigan that that uh, were convicted of of trying to uh, kidnap uh, the governor and and uh, and uh, hold their own trial of her. So you have the threat of of uh, individual groups of violence and and lone wolves who will go after. Uh, Elected officials uh, go after uh, you know uh, politicians they disagree with or anyone they disagree with, and you've seen it locally here with Leslie Hoffman and and Lynn Constable, the the uh, uh, county recorder in, in Yavapai County and and the director of elections who were both subjected to you know to threats of for, against them and their families. So much so that they they were basically forced to resign. Um, you know, at least one of them uh, moved out of state. Um, you have election officials from 2020 that, and they were, by the way, were Republican. You have Republican election officials around the country that have received death threats against them and their families. That's where we're at now, and and, seen, and these threats are real. I've seen that in the say less violent, the you know. Down to the level of school board, was, I don't remember which Phoenix district it was, where a bunch of angry people didn't like the school board. They sort of disrupted a board meeting to the point where the board retired and they, you know, they abandoned the meeting. They adjourned the meeting, and the, the loud people who were there sort of declared themselves the school board and declared, you know, they sort of said, "We're taking over this. You know, you're not legitimate." So they tried to declare themselves, the, you know, so "We are the school board," and the they elect their own members, you know. And, it, but and that was you know, there's no you know no physical violence, but this same this same idea. If we don't like it, we'll just declare it to be null and void we're, and we're create the, our own. We're at the point where they want to control thought, and mm -hmm. and you know if you think that isn't hasn't been embraced by the Republican Party, I'm serious. Look around. Mm -hmm. um, look I at think the anybody who candidates would, for uh, yeah. in in Arizona, mm -hmm. look I at the, who they're running for Secretary of State. I, and, and I think, you know, you have to take it so seriously. It, you know, the MAGA movement was dismissed, you know, in 2015 and 2016 as being primarily people in their 60s and 70s, uh, the boomers that that had gotten what they wanted and were going to deny it from the others. But but uh, 
as I've been studying this for, you know, a long time, I mean, I wrote three books about you know, Republican lies and misinformation that, you know, goes back to, to the Obama administration where, you know, you had the birther movement that they didn't believe he was a, a, a U.S. citizen. Um, that that went off on to uh, Jade Helm uh, 13, I think it was, or 19, 19 where they believed that uh, that. Obama was was declaring martial law. They were having military exercises in the Southwest, and Obama was was intent on declaring martial law and actually Sharia law. Mm-hmm. And they were converting uh, WalMarts into re-education centers. And you know Pretty some of these some of these things were just so <laughs> preposterous, but they were embraced by Republican uh, candidates and officials, and. You know, it's gotten to the point. Honestly, I you know I, I have a lot of friends who are Republicans. My my parents were lifelong Republicans. That party no longer exists. These are people that they're young. Um, you know, when I was at a, a Democratic booth in a in a, uh, a county fair in Minnesota, we had you know preteens and teens and and Gen Xers and millennials coming to, to our booth and calling us baby killers and threatening us. And, and uh, they, you know, we had a trivia contest uh, that was, uh, you know, was basically basic civics. And a lot of them would, would uh, we had prizes, so a lot of Republicans wanted to uh, participate in our trivia contest so they could, they could win a prize from those damn Democrats. And, and, uh, so they'd come up and and uh, spin a wheel and, and pick the category and and then we'd ask the most basic of questions of civics. What are the three branches of government? Not one person from any age group could answer that. Um, ask them who what takes place in the U.S. Capitol. Who who operates out of the U.S. Capitol? Not one person. Um, they couldn't. Not one person can answer that. Who was the second president of the United States? So, what do you think this does, Gary? It creates a gap, a, an opening for more extreme politics because people don't know the basic facts of, um, of American history people, and politics. People, it, it opens something. Is that what it? It creates a, 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 a kind of a desert of ideas for people to just throw any kind of conspiracy stuff in as they. they are in the mood for. They, they don't know how the government works. They don't know how political parties work. They don't know the basis of, of, uh, of policies. Um, they don't understand um, that most of our, our problems and issues are very, very complex that have, that have uh, built up over many years of, of uh, political infighting. For example, immigration. Uh, immigration is, you know, people think it's an evasion of the border. You're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. This is this migration is being caused by climate change in Central America and South America. It's being caused by by political despots in some of those countries, like in Venezuela, that people are having to escape for their lives. Uh, they're refugees of of one cause or another. 
they're coming to, to the one place they think they can seek refuge. Um, they're only people that are trying to survive. They want to, you know, they're not criminals. They want to come here and, and, and just live. Um, the, uh, it's, it's such a complex issue. Building a border wall is not going to stop it. Um, the, uh, you know, climate change is but, a but very, very millions issue. of people. I mean, uh, uh, you have to understand that uh, a large minority of Americans are deeply disturbed by this mass immigration to the United States is now at the highest level since the 1920s. And and people are genuinely disturbed by it, although it seems to me that the further you get away from, say, where Hispanic folks are coming across the border, the further we get away, the more they don't like them. It's you not know? just Hispanic. I'll take issue. It's not, me it's not just pro- Hispanic people. There's people from all over the world that are coming now, from but, China, from Ukraine, from you know, it's it's people that are displaced, and there are going to be more and more and more people displaced. What and if you want to stop that? What if you what, what what if you think there's something really that that these people are not like all the other people that that like you you <laughs> like your ancestors who came here? I don't think you can stop it, and and I think the 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 way to address it is try to address it in their own countries. They don't want to leave their country. They'd rather stay there. Um, it's not like like they're they're dreaming of coming here as yeah, so many people the, want. The stories, I mean, the, the day's headline, the largest number of people sort of ever, and I've forgotten where they were talking about the month, apprehended at the border. Yeah, These people, yeah. they're not crossing because they don't want, they're, they're the, turning themselves in because they think the they, can, they think they're, in t- they think, that they will get refugee status and be able to stay, so they're not sneaking in and right. working in the underground the, economy. They're the, turning themselves into well, the, the, Republican, they're, the Republicans they're, who they're have people who've been, been walking for months. These are not Mexicans. The who have, they're Venezuelans, and right. they've walked from Venezuela to the United States over many, many mo- months of time. Or some have come across the ocean to some place and then have started to. You know, so these are yeah, you're right. These are not people who. Yeah. Republicans would have you, would have you believe that yeah. that that uh, um, that they, we have open borders. That mm-hmm. once Biden was elected, he threw the border open and welcomed Catching everybody into the country. <laughs> it's simply a fear tactic. It's yeah. stupid. It's it's if you actually look at the numbers, that's absolutely not true. And and you can go to so many of these issues. Inflation. You know, I wrote about inflation, you know, the prospect of inflation in my last book. And when was that? It was it was in uh, 2019, uh, end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And it, inflation is international. It's not just in the U.S. It's not because of Biden policies. It's it's happened because uh, to a large extent because of covid. So during COVID, there were lockdowns around the world because people were dying by the millions and, and people, you know, were getting sick, uh, around the world. So we had, we had lockdowns of, of, you know, one variation or another. Uh, demand for products fell off dramatically. Corporations cut back. Um, people quit their jobs as truck drivers and, and longshoremen and, and ports. Uh, the countries like China stopped exporting uh, because of they had lockdowns. Uh, so 
you know, and there was less demand for oil and gasoline. So this, and at the same time, we had consolidation in one industry after another after another over many, many, many years in administrations of both Democrat and Republican. And so you, you're down to somewhere between three to ten uh, major players in each industry. Usually, I mean, it's getting to the point where there's like three or four. Uh, for example, the grain industry, there's basically three big players. And they control grain from the, from the planting basically to, to the harvest, to the, the, the storage, to the transportation, to the processing of the grain. And so all of this has, has created a, a situation over time that when COVID restrictions, uh, uh, you know, were, uh, released, when people, Started going out, you know, there was this huge pent-up demand to travel, to go out to restaurants, to, to purchase things, that suddenly the, there was a huge demand and the manufacturers couldn't ramp up fast enough. We couldn't get enough long-haul truck drivers. We couldn't get enough longshoremen. People's ideas of work changed. They quit some of their jobs. There wasn't, there's was a huge uh, daycare issue in this country with it costs more for most people to pay for daycare than it does to that they will earn in their in their job yeah. so you've created this you know this huge problem that isn't going to go away if you just change political leadership you have to to address it in many many ways it's very complex how does it become such a partisan issue this a touch a not violence in terms of physical violence, but but uh, tremendous emotions about uh, uh, about inflation, an unwillingness to listen to basic economic. Data. How did it become so politicized that it's pulled into this right, left, Republican, Democrat, whatever you want to call it, division in the country? It's getting more and more and more intense. Political opportunism, fear mongering. That's uh, that's all it is. It was an opportunity for Republicans to blame Democrats for something that they could create fear and say that, look at the mess they created. Now, give us the the, the chance. Yet they, they haven't proposed a single you know, solution for it that will actually work. Um, you know, it's it's one of these, you know, I mean, there's so many problems that are that are so complex and People don't want to study them. They don't want to learn about it. They, they know more about what Lizzo had for breakfast than they do about, <laughs> you know, uh, political issues. And, and uh, you know, they, they're, they're focused on celebrities. They're focused on their own jobs, et cetera, et cetera, um, getting their kids to, to uh, their baseball game or getting their kids to, to uh, uh, basketball practice or whatever. And they don't want to take the time to study an issue. It's it's not that time intensive to actually learn about issues and study them, and to study policies and ask, uh, you know, candidates, politicians, what they're actually going to do to to try to solve it. So, Gary, what can be done? I mean, we see the divisions and the intensity of divisions on Amer of Americans on one side and Americans on the other, getting more and more. Intense, and there was a, an article I saw that, that that basically 
looked at the Republican description of Democrats. These are Republicans running for major offices across the country, and they were, uh, it said devils, and and Democrats were demonized as devils and evil and, and so forth and so on. And is there anything you can do to to break this pattern? Because what happens is 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 Republicans decided to own Democrats, yeah, to beat up Democrats and have fun doing it. And of course, the reaction of Democrats is to really, really, really not like Republicans and to believe that there's something really evil about them and their politics. And maybe there is. What 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 can we do to? I mean, this is thinking. I have to laugh at that. No, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm making yeah. a joke, but I'm making a joke. But but it, what I'm getting at, Gary, is things are getting more and more intense, and more and more fragmented, and more and more partisan. Is what can be done? There's only one solution I, that I know of, and and that is for Republicans, you know, honest, you know, caring Republicans who are not. You know, are not hateful, are not the, the you know part of the mega hate crowd, and and don't believe. I mean, we have what is it? Sixty percent of the Republican Party now believes that violence may be necessary uh, to you know to change the direction of government. Um, you know, this party has been taken over. By by you know various forces, conspiracy theorists and and white nationalists and and Christian nationalists, that um, I think there's only one solution: is for caring Republicans to completely repudiate the candidates that are are you know espousing those theories and and vote against them in numbers large enough that that the uh, party has to reshape itself and get back. We, we need a conservative party. We, we need a, a liberal party. We need a conservative party to offset one another and to negotiate with one another. And democracy only works when you have people who are caring and believe in government and believe in democracy uh, debating with one another and negotiating with one another and making compromises. That is the heart of democracy. Like but, the, but compromises become yeah. a dirty word on the Republican side. The political language of England in the past, where you, you had a party in power and then you had the loyal opposition. And it was, you know, that was the idea. They were, you know, the opposition, but they were, the, you know, the, the loyal opposition. Mm-hmm. They were not, it was... Right. They were still all with you. Know, and what's happening? Over, overarching goals people were trying to reach with different paths to get there, as opposed to two totally different worlds. Yeah. Which what's is, happening, though, uh, Karen, mm-hmm. is that yeah. is that the elements that make the opposition loyal, playing fair, right? Yeah. Um, What's good for Peter is good for Paul. Understanding that you will lose elections from time to time. You're going to lose elections. You're going to win elections. And you accept the results unless there's some really actual fraud. And and there there pretty much isn't. um, Are getting undercut. Right, Gary? The the rules that make our democracy work depend on if we lose the election. Gary, we run, we lose the election, we accept the results. If you don't have that, then you don't have democracy, right? Correct. It's, it's, um, you, you just need people to, uh, to understand that 
we can't live with tyranny of the majority nor tyranny of the minority. And that's where we're at. You know, um, the filibuster has led to a point where the, the minority can, can create a tyranny that, you know, the, the Republicans have manipulated that, you know, for many years now. You know, prior to Newt Gingrich in, in 1992, when, when he, put out the contract, what I like to call the contract on America, <laughs> not the contract for America. Um, you know, Gingrich was, a, was a, a big fan or is a big fan of the parliamentary system in which you vote for a party, the party takes over, and, and they you know, control government, and they push through everything that they want regardless of, of any other, you know, objections from the other party or even within their own party. The party began under Gingrich uh, in the House to vote in absolute lockstep. If you didn't vote with the party, you were a rhino, a Republican in name, on, in name only, and you were going to be primaried in the next election. And the next election in the House is two years away. You spend You spend a year and a half campaigning you know, for your two-year office, and you spend 40 percent of your time, whether you're Republican or Democrat, raising money so you can run for your next election. You know, I've talked to to congressmen and women, asking them. You know, I've I've met, been fortunate enough to meet a number of them over the years, and I've asked them every, you know, almost every time. Why do you care if you're reelected so much? Why is that the goal? <laughs> Shouldn't the goal be good government? Why don't you just why don't you just get in office and do what you think is right? Vote, you know, negotiate with the other side, vote for what you think is right, and if you don't do that well enough, you probably aren't going to be reelected. If you do it well enough, people, you know, hopefully have the 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 uh, the intelligence to understand that and vote for you again. It's why has this become a permanent, uh, a permanent but, office? But we, you've seen, we've seen got this. only a couple of yeah. minutes left, yeah. and and so we need to thank our yeah. our, our uh, people who support us, uh, the Democrats of the Red Rocks. Uh, they're back having in-person uh, breakfast tomorrow, tomorrow at the adult community uh, at the community center in Sedona. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was last week. No, I thought it was no. Friday. 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 Yeah. Friday, Friday. Of, Friday of this week. Yeah. And they're going to, okay. they've got one of the co-founders of the indivisible movement, you know, coming okay. to speak about that sort of the idea. Speak about, again, grassroots organizing, grassroots democracy. And then the Yavapai County Party is extremely active and has all kinds of events. Mm-hmm. So if, if uh, for listeners over in the Prescott and Prescott Valley, I know it's really hard for um, uh, Democrats from the the Verde Valley, to go over to Prescott meetings and stuff. I used to do it when I first moved here, and it, it's, it's a long drive. And unless you have a bunch of buddies to do it with, it's, it, it, it's pretty tiresome. Um, so there's a lot going on. A lot of volunteer opportunities are still available uh, connected with the election. And um, we need to wind this up. We want to thank Gary Lamasta for being with us. Silent Gary is not silent today, and we're glad to have him back. Thank you for being with us. BVID.org. All our podcasts are on there from time immemorial to today. Um, 
yeah. next next week we have who, Karen? Um, um, Chris Mays, who's running for Attorney General. Uh, who was, was a Corporation Commission member. Now she's running for Attorney General. So she's been involved in Arizona politics, and, and also she teaches on the sustainability program at ASU. So she's got a, a wide background on a lot of issues that are important in Arizona, not just you know, political, but you know, the environmental issues. So we should have a Be sure to vote, folks. Uh, time is running out. The election, um, uh, the in-person yeah. election, which is not yeah. as important as it used to be, is, mail your ballot is today. November 8th. <laughs> Get it? Mail in your ballots. If you got a mail-in ballot, send it in. If you have questions, call the door office and ask them how to vote on these tricky propositions. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.